Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 11 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. I'm feeling extra positive today, feeling good, got those good vibes going, and so I hope you do too. And, and I'm just really excited because today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, two of my favorite things in the world, uh, music and editing, and I'll be doing that with my guest editor, Mari Keiko Gonzalez. But before we get to that, though, I just want to remind you to subscribe to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. This will help those in the post-production community who are looking for mentorship and advice from all the fantastic guests I've had on this show. Also want to announce that I'm going to be hosting occasional office hours on a private Hollywood Editing Mentor Facebook page, and this will be exclusively available to those subscribed to the Hollywood Editing Mentor email newsletter. So sign up today at hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash join. I want to make sure that I make myself available to the post-production community, and so I'll be hosting these live office hours on the private Hollywood Editing Mentor Facebook page that'll be coming soon. So sign up today, hollywoodeditingmentor.com slash join. All right, so joining me today is editor Mari Keiko Gonzalez, who's an award-winning editor with an extensive list of credits, which include the weekend's show up and performance for the 2020 MTV Video Music Awards, Jimmy Carter Rock and Roll President, which was slated as the opening night film at the 2020 Tribeca Film Festival, Janet Jackson, Tupac Shakur, NWA, Stevie Nicks, and The Cure's induction films for HBO's Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction ceremony, ABC's Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, Tony Bennett Celebrates 90, which won the 2018 Grammy for Best traditional pop vocal album, and she is currently editing a documentary about the making of Tom Petty's 1994 album, Wildflowers. Maury also produced, directed, and edited the documentary, The Music Never Ends, about the Mambo Legends Orchestra, formerly known as the Tito Puente Orchestra. Can't wait to hear more about these amazing projects, so here we go with episode 11 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast with editor Maury Keiko Gonzalez. Yeah, very happy uh, to have you here, Mari Keiko Gonzalez, joining us all the way from the East Coast. Uh, how are you doing? You staying warm out there? Uh, it's a little cold, but you know, I'll be in Hawaii soon, so that's okay. Oh, nice. Definitely. I'm sure you're looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm glad we were uh, finally able to do this. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to be here on the Hollywood Editing Mentor podcast. Uh, we had uh, been chatting. Uh, through social media for a bit and I'm just very interested in, in your experience uh, the the projects that you've worked on uh, mostly in the in the music world which I am very interested in and and so I just want to first of all just get to know you more we've talked briefly but I want to hear about your 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 origin story uh, you know where you're from how you guys started in editing and then how you got started in working on these cool projects sure sure um, thank you so much again for having me I um, you know it's hard I feel like you know I've had like a couple of different lives already you know like different sort of aspects of that anyway of you know career wise but even just pre-career and how you amble into becoming an editor. I don't know how many people like sort of decide like, oh, I want to be an editor. I think you, it's like this evolution, which is always really interesting, which is I, that why I love to hear people's stories about how they came, you know, came to be an editor. Um, but I actually, you know, we can just fast forward to, I, um, so I was born and raised in, in New York City, in Manhattan, and my mother was an actress and a playwright. Um, and my father was a civil rights attorney. And, um, you know, so I grew up just sort of exposed to a lot of different things, definitely like the arts and theater. And I was a child actor. I did a lot of like television and film and theater and blah, blah. But I never really wanted to do that, even though I, you know, I worked all the time as a kid. I, you know, I was really into writing and more scripted things, actually. I, you know, I just was really into writing and storytelling. And when I was, I would say in my 
early 20s, maybe like after college, I um, I started doing these little experimental videos. And um, I one of my many jobs that I had when I was in my 20s, I had a, my daughter when I was like a week before my 21st birthday. So I had all these like really interesting jobs just to, you know, have, I worked at the national organization for women. I sold, you know, tours to the metropolitan opera. I, you know, worked at a medical answering emergency answering service. And, you know, I was the receptionist at some places and blah, blah, blah. And one of this, I was working at this bar and, um, downtown in the, in the West village in Manhattan. And one of my friends there said to me, Oh, you have to meet my girlfriend. It was a, it's a, it was a gay bar. It's no longer there. And she said, you have to meet my, uh, my girlfriend. You would really like her and da da da. And, uh, so I met her and she was doing this documentary about the gorilla girls, um, who are a group of artists that sort of expose the lack of women representation in the art world. So, um, this friend, this woman who became my friend, Amy Harrison, who's a, now a film professor, actually, and she's a filmmaker. Um, she said to me, you know, my, my uh, distribution company, Women Make Movies, is looking for a front desk receptionist. And this was in 1992. And I was like, oh, OK. And so I go to the interview. You know, I'm like, what do I know? You know, I was like working at a bar. I'm like, I walk in and the executive director, you know, and it's very, you know, I mean, the, the, the catalog of films that they have is just incredible that are films by and about women, women make, this company, Women Make Movies. And so I remember going into the interview with uh, the executive director, Deborah Zimmerman, and she's asking me like, well, what films have you seen about women? And I'm thinking, uh, I don't know, nine to five with Dolly Parton. Like I remember saying that in my interview and the fact that they hired me even after I said that. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So, you know, just in the time that I worked there, which was a short amount of time, I learned so much. I watched everything that I could get my eyes on in their library. They had a, they have a huge catalog of films. I don't know how many they have, so I'm not going to throw out a number now. But at the time, it was over 500. I'm sure it's like in the thousands now. Um, actually, one of the films that I edited, Apache 8, is in there. That's distributed by them. But um, so... I worked there and I met, there are a lot of filmmakers who worked there. I learned all about film distribution and independent film. Um, actually, the, the company was at 225 Lafayette Street. And in the office space was Christine Vachon's, uh, her office was there too. So this was a, there was just all these things going on in this space and this place and all the people that were there were just so brilliant. And I don't know, I just really learned a lot in the short amount of time that I was there. And I was very inspired by this video artist, Sadie Benning. And I started making my own videos just about like identity and identity politics and things like that. And so I would take these jobs so that I could, you know, sort of do my own storytelling. And I remember I was working at this corporate television company and somebody, you know, and I was, I was, I did these things. So I had access to editing equipment you know, I would take these jobs. So I would be in these places where I could edit my own work after hours. And I remember one of my friends saying to me like, Oh, you should be an editor. And I was like, what? I was like, that's so tedious. Like I would never want to do that. Like I'm a director. And so, you know, fast forward to, I started getting all these jobs and, you know, with all of my, uh, you know, four and five part-time jobs that I had, you know, I could make, you know, in a day, what I made in a week at that time as an editor. So I was like, oh, okay, wait a second. So I started doing that. And I don't know, I just sort of fell into music and, you know, this job sort of begat that job. And at the corporate television place that I worked at, actually, a friend of mine who passed away, a very dear old friend, Alan Rosenthal, he gave me my first editing gig. And it was like, for this blue chip company, it was just this, you know, this video that I did. And, um, I started getting other work after that. You know, I really started, I was working at Chelsea Television Studios and, uh, you know, in Manhattan. And one of my clients worked at uh, Sony Wonder, which is a, was a division of like a kids and entertainment division of Sony Music. And so sometimes we would work at Chelsea and sometimes we would go to Sony Music Studios, which closed in 2007, but it used to be on... 54th Street in Manhattan, and so many incredible 
shows and albums and there's just a lot of history that would you know went down in that in that building and it's unfortunate that it's condos now but anyway so I was working with uh, with Bill who was my friend and client and we Frank Sinatra died I guess it was so it was 1998 Frank Sinatra died and I got called by Sony to do it was like a television spot it was like a little tribute about Frank Sinatra and you know he had you know, he recorded on several different labels, but Columbia was a big Sony label. So, and he has his catalog, he's a huge catalog on, on Columbia and legacy. So I got called to do this Frank Sinatra spot. And from there, I just got hired every day on all these different jobs. I just started getting job after job after job at Sony. And I was permalance there, you know, pretty much until the doors closed. Like I left for a little bit and I took a staff job at Broadway video at Warren Michaels company for a short amount of time. But then I went back to Sony and it was great. I mean, the work that I did there was just, I mean, yeah, those are just the golden, the, that was like the golden era, I think in music and in television, the music industry is very, very different from how it was in the late nineties through the two thousands. It's just, it's totally different now. Yeah. No, I mean, there's uh, uh, so many uh, things I want to ask you and, and, and touch upon. I mean, so when you got to Sony um, and they just kept you on and kept you on, on, on interesting gigs, what do you think kind of led them to just say, Hey, we want to, we want to keep hiring uh, Mari and, 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 you know, we like her work. It was amazing, you know, and at that time I was like the youngest, one of the few women, there was like one other woman who was on staff, but I, it was like, I was definitely the youngest editor and the youngest woman. And I would think the only woman of color, there was another, uh, yeah, I think that, yeah, actually, I think it was, but, um, I, I was doing this, I started doing these, like, um, Sony used to do what are called branch presentations. And basically they're like upfronts. I don't know if you know what that is, like a television upfront that the networks do every year to sort of showcase what's coming up. So at that time, so imagine in the no late nineties, so in 98, 99, 90, it's just really all in 98. So 98, the record labels had so much money. We would do these internal presentations. So this is Sony music. This is the hype. Tommy Mottola was the CEO there, you know? So it's like, here we are. So, and I was working directly with him. So I, you know, on, on several jobs and especially these branch presentations that, cause they were so high profile for the execs there and the people also in Japan and Sony, but really just domestically. So they would show off. It was like JLo and destiny's child and Bruce Springsteen and Tony Bennett and, you know, Shakira, it was a lot of Latin artists, actually, Ricky Martin. Um, I don't know. There are just so many, so many artists. I worked a lot with Tony Bennett, too, and, um, and Michael Jackson. So, you know, it was just incredible. So with these branch presentations, that's how I got my music chops on. Because you have to edit the music edits that you have to do going from one artist to another just within their own song. So it's like, and I'm, I mean, I'm a trained musician. I don't really play anymore right now, like currently, but I, you know, I've tra classically trained on piano and flute. And um, so, you know, and I read music. And so you know, you really, really, really learn how to, I mean, you get your chops on editing those kinds of branch presentations. And then from that, there was this woman, I don't know, somebody had seen something that I did for Shakira and uh, one of the producers there at one of the record labels, I think it was Epic or, uh, I think it was Epic or Columbia. And they hired me to do this multi-camera concert for this singer called Linda Etter. And while I was doing this, it was like a 15 camera shoot. And those producers used to produce this show called Hard Rock Live, which was also shot at Sony. They had these two big stages there. Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was shot there. Uh, I believe Unplugged was shot there. Uh, so many shows that I did. Sessions at West 54th, which I edited, which was a wonderful music series on PBS. I was the series editor for the last season, which was, I believe it was in 1999. But um, anyway, so this, uh, the pro this producer, her name was Monica Hardiman. And she had seen me, she had walked by my edit room. She had seen me with these two other producers. And again, there weren't at that time, there weren't that many women. And she noticed me and she said, I want you to edit my show, you know? And I was like, okay. She's like, I heard about you. I heard about you here. And she's like, I want you to edit, you know, sessions at West 54th. And I'm like, okay. And 
that was one of the most incredible, I would say, music series that was on television. You know, it really, really was. You had, you know, Parliament Funkadelic to Macy Gray to the Dixie Chicks, Branford Marsalis, you know, Wynton Marsalis, uh, Cheryl Crow, you know, Daniel Lenoir. I mean, it was it was just an amazing John Prine. There's so many, so many shows. So I was the series editor for that. And um, uh, I, I don't know, I just started doing all these other concerts as well. That was a multi-camera show that was shot there. Um, I did the first actually HD concert that was shot at Sony, which was this band called Incubus uh, for Morning View Sessions. That was the first multi-camera HD multi-camera show that we did there. We had all these sync issues. It was a disaster. But it was, I mean, the show is beautiful, but like while we were editing it, we just couldn't, it was just there. We just couldn't get like, I don't know, reference on the house. It was just crazy. And the engineers at Sony were just phenomenal. These guys, uh, Ernie Chiappa and this guy, Mike Walsh, who also passed away, who I loved. He was amazing. But, um, yeah. And there were just all these concerts that I did hard rock live. Like I was saying, um, I'm trying to think what other ones were there. Who wants to be a millionaire? I worked on the special shows at that time when Regis Philbin was hosting. So, you know, there were game shows. There was just a lot going on there, you know? And at any given time, like you could be downstairs and the room that I edited in was right next door to somebody who's a very dear friend of mine, um, the sound mixer, who's just phenomenal. She's won multiple Emmys, Sue Polino. We still do a lot of shows and a lot of films together. Um, she was the head of audio post at Sony and um, the audio and video is very separate. And her mixing room was downstairs by what's called the van room. And the van room is where hip hop artists mostly would play their music to, to see how it sounded in the car. So you would go in this room and it simulated like you were playing it in a van. And so her room was by that. And my room where I, where I edited it was, was close to there. So we became, we became fast friends. We worked together so much since that time, but um it was just a wonderful place. And you would, there are times, you know, you'd see Michael Jackson in the hallway, you know, far away, but you'd see, you know, Joe Pesci would come out of the bathroom. DMX would be running around. Lenny Kravitz, Snoop Dogg, like everybody was there. Everybody was there, you know, recording, doing shows. They shot a lot of, a lot of other, um, like interviews and there was an insert stage uh, where they shot things for like EPKs and things like that when they were promoting albums or films and soundtracks, things like that. I can't imagine being around so many, I mean, these amazing artists, how much that also that was incredible. inspires creativity yeah. in you, I, I, I yeah. would assume. Yeah, it was, it, it, it really was, you know, it's like, and just music. I mean, when you're also when you're young too, I mean, who doesn't love music and it's like every kind of music. So even if you aren't a musician or you don't know, it's like, you're just, um, you know, immersed in that. And, and just everybody who worked there, I mean, from the support staff to the salespeople to the, you know, executive, like every single person who was there, you know, except for maybe like one or two people <laughs> was like at the top of their game. They were like the best of the best in the industry. And it was at the heyday, you know, like in the heyday, like I said, it was like Tommy Mottola and it was when he was just divorced from Mariah. And I also worked with her as well. I mean, I worked with a lot of people, but um, yeah, she was, she was one of the people that I worked with and continued to work with um, even when I left. And she's, she's amazing. And um Yeah, it was just such a great, great time to be there. And it really formed me, I have to say, it, was, it formed me as, um, you know, as an editor. And it was, uh, yeah, it really did. It really, it really affected a lot of things. You know, oh, I did Rock and Roll Hall of Fame there too. I forgot about that. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, before it was on HBO, it used to be on VH1. VH1 used to do a lot of music. Um, so a lot of these concerts were on VH1. When working with, say, these artists on specifically, say, on cuts or, you know, having a session or whatnot, like, what was the process like um, with, with yeah. the collaborating and, and, say, getting notes from, you know, Mariah Carey or, or right, you know, any right. other big name artists? Right. With, well, with Mariah, with things like that, with concert stuff for her, you know, I did Billboard Music Awards with her, American Music Awards, and also some of her live videos. She was an artist that was very hands-on. Cheryl Crow is an artist that's very hands-on. They also work very closely with Sue, with the mixer, because obviously that's like your sound, what you're sounding like. So for example, for a show like Sessions at West 54th, for example, there's, you know, you have like 
you know, somebody who does like the live mixes, who does like the remixes of the songs, which was this, also this incredible uh, mixer, Tom Cadley, who was there at Sony. And so he would do that and Sue would do the sweetening. So a lot of times I would get like for sessions, let's say I was doing, let's say Cheryl Crow, for example, I do this, the Cheryl Crow concert and um, they would remix her songs, like in case there was a mistake with the guitar or some of the vocal, you know, um, you know, and and then Sue would do the sweetening. So I would get the remixes. And a lot of times I would cut to, you know, because what if I'm editing something and they take the guitar out here because they're going to take a guitar or they add a drum part like I'm and I'm on a, another shot and they're not playing that instrument anymore or whatever's happening. So that's really interesting. So you really work in tandem. Like Sue and I worked very closely together. I worked very closely with all of the mixers um, in music. That's what you do. And um yeah. And then the same with the director, a lot of shows, like a lot of big concerts, there's like a line cut. So there's somebody that's calling the shots live, you know, and live to tape is very different than live, like sports or live, you know, now a lot of things are shot live to tape. And as an editor, you're not necessarily, you're just kind of like fixing the director's cut. But for me, there was no line cut. So you're cutting it almost like a film, like every camera and the director, Jeb Bryan, who used to direct, uh, sessions at West 54th, he directed every camera. He was a film director. So he directed every camera. Like they were always moving all the time. You always had something to go to. And so that's really interesting when you're working in multicam, because usually when you're doing live music, it's not like that. Like you change one shot and it's like Jenga, like the, all the, everything falls apart, you know, like you can't, because the director's directing, they, you know, he or she knows exactly where they're going to next. But that was what was so wonderful about editing sessions. It was so creative, you know, cause you really had a lot of leeway and they gave me so much, they just gave us so much freedom to, to be creative and do what we wanted to with all the, with the performances. What's your process like to, to manage, say, you know, 15, 20, whatever cameras, right. how do you approach it when you, you get to your system you open it up and there's like all these feeds, how do you start? So like for a show, for example, like a show that has multiple performances, I'm thinking of like the Halo Awards where this director that I work with who does, he does a lot of music to uh, Lou Horvitz. Um, you know, I watch all the multi-camera. So I'll watch it down. Like I watch his line cut, but I'll put everything up. Like I'll watch the nine split or that, you know, and then it's like, you can't watch 30 cameras in the app like that. So you have to switch it, but I'll watch everything down and see what the cameras are doing. And I'll sort of like, you know, pick, you know, also like the, it's, it's so funny cause it's a lot of the same camera operators for these big concerts and events, you know, like I also worked at the DNC and it's like the same people that do the DNC and the RNC do the Tonys, you know, the same production company, they've been doing it for years. Um, you know, and the Emmys are also like those shows, like there's always like the same people. So you sort of know, you get to know what their shooting style is. I mean, even when the different, when they're working with different directors. Um, so yeah, I mean, live, I, I just like to watch everything. I guess that's the answer. I watch everything. Uh, you know, just like in documentary, non multicam, you know, if, if, a director is giving me like sound bites, like selects, they're like, okay, well, here's a scene for this. Like, yes, I'll listen. But I always like watch the whole interview, you know, because sometimes like what's selected or what's in a transcript or what you're looking at in script sync is, you know, sometimes it just looks better or sounds better. You just have to like watch it. I, I like to watch everything. You mentioned earlier um, that you played music. Yes. I actually went to the high school of music and art for a little while before I went to boarding school. But yeah, I played, um, I played piano from the time I was, uh, let's say probably about six. Yeah. I mean, I can still play. I just don't have a, currently I don't have a piano in my home, but, uh, yeah, I play piano and I, I can also play flute. Uh, and I learned drums later as an adult. I learned, um, from actually this really incredible drummer. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I learned, I learned how to play from Suzanne Vega's drummer who was a friend of a friend of mine. Um, and I know her sister. So anyway, so I learned how to play from a Brazilian jazz drummer. So that was pretty cool. And I learned how to read drum charts. I'm not very good, but I can play a little bit. When I, you know, I, when I was a little drunk, I played at my dad's wedding. I sat <laughs> in with the band a little bit at his, <laughs> at his wedding to my stepmother. I played a little bit. I saw a video of that. I was yeah, I hope there's footage, footage of that somewhere. The reason I bring this up is because, you know, I, I recently interviewed my friend Matt Colonna. He's a professional drummer who's now, you know, uh, a very experienced editor in, in scripted TV and film. Um, and we got into this conversation about how 
music plays a part in, in editing, right? So about yeah. rhythm. I think it kind of comes with the territory, right? Like you, in a lot of ways, you know, or it's like, if you're not a musician per se, you're like a, you know, a music aficionado, you know, like, or you, you have to have, cause it's all about timing and rhythm. And it's like innate, like, I remember one time it was actually this Dixie Chicks concert and another editor who I, who is an old friend of mine who I really, you know, respect and love dearly. You know, he asked me, he was like, wait, how do you, you know, like, how did you pick like that was such a seamless show. It was so beautiful. And it's like, it's this innate thing. I think it's like, you just vibe it. Like there's not a reason why you cut to this shot or that, or you let this go all the way and have some like Orson Welles shot. That's like, you know, 15 seconds, which, you know, people would never do now. Cause they're like, you got to cut away. You got to cut away. But, um, you know, I don't edit like that. It's like, you need to stay in the moment. Like sometimes you need to just let it rock, you know, you just let it go. And then other times you cut away, but it's like all of those, you know, that it's nuance. Is that something though, that you think say in your early days, say with Sony and then just further on your career, I mean, without you probably even knowing that that is something that made you kind of stand out because you had such experience already with music and you just were able to cut it well? Maybe, I, you know, I, I honestly, it's hard to say, you know, like I think music, like I do music, comedy and sports too. I mean, I, I've done scripted film, you know, I've always also wanted to do scripted TV. That's sort of how I started. Like I had written this script, this feature length script that was, you know, there's a lot of music sort of like hip, a hip hop aspect to this film that I wrote a long time ago. But, um, you know, I don't know. I just think that everything is, is sort of connected, but you can tell, like if, if there's an editor who is a good comedy editor, chances are they can also do music. If you have that timing and that sort of like rhythm in just the way, you know, yeah, that rhythm, um, you can do both and sports as well. And when I say sports, I don't mean, you know, I mean like, um, I've done a lot of sports. So I went to the Super Bowl. uh, and I worked on site. I did the team open films for the year. That was the, that's like that Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake year, actually. But I was there with CBS Sports uh, in Houston. It was the Patriots and the Panthers. So, um, and that's a whole other thing too, working. I love doing sports. I've done a lot of sports too, where it's like stories, like they're called like sports features where these like profiles on players and, you know, like US Open, you know, ice skating, golf, uh, NCAA, NFL, done a lot of NFL. So that's uh, that's also really fun to do. You've also worked on documentaries. Yeah. You recently did uh, one titled Jimmy Carter, Rock and Roll President, yes. uh, which was uh, slated as the opening night film at the 2020 Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, you're currently working on a documentary about the making of Tom Petty's uh, 94 album, Wildflowers. Yeah. Talk about your experience in now and say more in the documentary world. It's, that's also attached though to, to music. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to work on. I mean, the, the Tom Petty film that I'm working on right now is it's with the same director, Mary Wharton, who did um, uh, Jimmy Carter, rock and roll president. And we also, I met Mary because we worked on this Farrah Fawcett um, biography for A&E. Was it last year or the year before? I think it was the year before last. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Um, and it's the same thing. Like, you know how you work with a director or a producer? It's mostly for me, it's a director who you just have this like, you know, I mean, I just, I can intuit what she what she's feeling and thinking. Like, I just sort of know her rhythm. Like I would just get into like, I, I, it's hard to explain, but we just really vibed. And I just, um, it's like, I know what she's trying to say. And, and then I sort of like help her say it, I think, you know, or help, you know, it's like, well, she knows what she has her own voice. Obviously she knows what she's saying, but I mean, like together we have a, we have a, a language, I guess. Um, so it's been really amazing to be able to work with her on Carter, which was incredible. And then on this uh, Tom Petty film that Rick Rubin actually, uh, Rick Rubin produced this 94 album wildflowers and Tom Petty, you know, passed away in, in 2017, 2017. Um, we did a tribute to him at Rock Hall, Rock Roll Hall of Fame. But he, uh, so what his, the estate did is they re, so they released this album called Wildflowers and All the Rest a couple of weeks ago. It was actually in October. So it was more than a couple of weeks ago. But um, so it's all of these, it was initially supposed to be a, supposed to be a double CD. And so they're releasing all the unreleased songs, plus all these home recordings, plus all this live music. So it's an incredible, incredible album. And it's an acoustic album. And Rick Rubin is just, he's an amazing producer, just sort of known for this, his stripped down sound. Um, so it's been a treat. I mean, I'm loving 
working on this. I'm having like the best time. It's a lot of work, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of music. Um, but we're sort of, you know, every day, like the story is coming together. I mean, I, I like to say in my head, I say it when I say it out loud, it doesn't sound right. Like I'm f- fluffing up certain sections. I mean, I'm like, you know, it's opening up, like things are like growing and moving in these, you know, as Mary and I call them these branches, like we have like the narrative that's going forward, but then sometimes just like in a conversation, you sort of go off into this branch or this branch and that, but you're moving forward the whole time. So, you know, so it's fun to do that with music. It's like the best actually <laughs> to do it with music. How do you handle these, you know, massive projects would say like your assistant or, you know, say yeah. the producer, the director, what's kind of like the, if you could give some kind of insight into that, the inner workings of that, of those types of projects, you yeah. know, how do you say delegate work or, you know, how do you, uh, you know, come through all this, I'm assuming an incredible amount of footage. It's so much footage. I mean, you know, the, so what's interesting now we're working remotely, right. For, for Jimmy Carter, rock and roll president, we were at SIM, we were at the studio in, in Manhattan, but we started Tom Petty remotely. And my, so I'm in New York and my assistant cat who is amazing. She is in LA and I met her actually on this show that I was doing that was out of LA. I got hired to just do performances for this show, uh, the summer. And I met her and I was like, Oh God, she is incredible. And she's actually the head AE on masked singer, which is like, you know, that huge show. Um, so she basically, and the estate and Warner, they're out in LA. So initially she got all this and it's all in film. You know, most of the stuff that I'm working in, it was all shot on 16 millimeter film, the, the original footage. And then all of the new interviews that we did um, were also shot in 16, on 16 millimeter film. So they do all the film transfers there. Some, I think some of them were done here in New York, but anyway, they're done there. <laughs> and they're given to cat and then cat actually posts everything for me, you know, proxy files. So it's like, you know, DNX files that I pull down from media shuttle and she'll give me like the bin and she'll try to sync stuff up. I mean, there's a lot of stuff um, that they've had since 1994 that, I mean, I think this other team of people were trying to sync it for months. I mean, it took months to just sync this footage because it's all separate. The slates don't really match the, the dats and it's just like all the external audio. It's like, sometimes we have beta references. So that's been very, very challenging. You can't just like figure it out if there's no reference, you know? So that's, we had a little bit of that and there is some of that, but cat has been just incredible and syncing it. And sometimes I'll find sync. I'll find like certain points. I'm like, Oh, here it is. Like for this performance or some dialogue or some other B roll or little verite scenes, you know, it's mostly like verite, this documentary, which is a lot different from Carter, which is not. Carter was like, uh, you know, mostly archival in interviews, a lot of like putting all that together. It was a lot of material as well. More, you know, more archival sources than this, but this is still a challenge. I mean, it's it's a just a different animal, I guess, because this is mostly verite, this, this film. Speaking of your assistant, I mean, uh, uh, we've kind of did talk about initially about mentoring. And is it it's something that... Uh, do you also do with your assistant and also, I guess, wh- wh- who are some of your early mentors um, uh, in your career? You know, it's funny. I would say, and I don't know if it's like this for every editor. I know that some editors have mentors. I didn't have an editor mentor necessarily per se. Did I? No, I didn't. But it was mostly that people who liked me gave me a shot. You know, it's like they just they were like, you know, let's hire her for this. And it was real. I have to say it's really Monica Hardiman. Like, even though I was working and I was doing shows and, you know, doing things. I mean, when I when she hired me to to basically, I mean, the other editor, I think he was doing something else anyway. And we worked on some shows together, but his career, he was going into doing all these other feature films, you know my friend Wyatt Smith. So when she said to me, I want you to be the editor for sessions, which was like the show at Sony at the time. Um, uh, John Hyatt was the host for the last season. It was a, you know, it was just such an incredible music show. And um, anyway, so I think I kind of really feel like first it was my friend, Amy Harrison, who the film professor, she's in San Francisco now, but she sort of, you know, I, I blame her for becoming an editor because she connected me, you know, I got my receptionist job at Women Make Movies and that just opened up my brain and my life. 
and then, you know, to independent film. And, and so that was that. And then, you know, Monica for really giving me, and my friend Alan, actually, my friend Alan, who gave me a shot as an editor, my first editing job when I was a receptionist. Um, and then, you know, Monica. And so I do feel like it's really important. I'm always trying to, uh, you know, I mean, I meet a lot of young very, very talented people. And I, you know, it's like, I just feel like it's really important to watch. I think sitting in an edit room, you can really learn a lot, you know? Um, And unfortunately we're not in a studio situation anymore. So that is challenging and kind of sucks. But um, just even like AEs that I, that I, that I work with or other PAs or APs, if they want to get into maybe doing their own project or other things, I always tell people they can ask me or call me or I help them with you know, whatever they want help with. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's really important to pass the torch and to just spread the, spread the love and spread the the wealth and the information, you know, like I think sometimes editors have a tendency, at least, you know, I think editors are very, uh, can be very competitive, you know, at least in the, I don't know how, what your experience is, but just in my comeuppance, you know, a lot of the mostly guys, all guys, really, uh, they're pretty competitive <laughs> and, uh, you know, very territorial about certain things. And I don't feel like that, you know, at all. I'm the exact opposite. I feel like I'm in a position where I can hire people. I'm going to hire people that I like and that I trust. And on shows that now I supervise edit. So I supervise edit now more some television shows and things like that. Like for Bravo, these last two specials, it's like, I want to bring on the people that I really like and that I can count on. You know, if I'm not physically editing and people who are maybe pigeonholed into doing something like this wonderful editor that I met on this, uh, through Harbor picture company, this guy, Michael Dowling, I met and he's wonderful and he's an incredible, I don't want to say he's a sports editor, but that's what he's been doing for the past like 10 years. So people are like, Oh no, no, he can't do this. And it's like, no, yes, he can. Like the guy can do anything. He's an, he's an incredible editor. And so he, um, we did this, these two specials for Bravo on race in America. Uh, the, the sort of like these zoom shows that are, you know, with this dialogue about, uh, mostly like the black, they call them Bravo liberties on Bravo from these other series. I mean, I don't watch any of those series, but I learned who all these people are. Some of the people I knew, um, but, um, and it's my friend's production company who my friend, Dorothy Toron, she used to be the EP for real housewives of New Jersey. And now she and her partner, Leslie Farrell, have this company and they're putting it there. I mean, they have so many incredible projects that they have coming up. And so I work with them. I'm kind of like their editor. And if even if I'm not available, I'll make sure that like they have the right people for their shows and stuff. Um, and they've got a lot of stuff coming up. So anyway, so Michael, you know, I brought him on for actually he's doing the trailer for Tom Petty and I'm sure they wanted a music, you know, they did, of course, like Warner, they, they wanted a music person, but it's like, I knew he can do it and he's doing a great job. So he's doing the, you know, the trailer for this. It's really, yeah, it's really like a long trailer. It's like a 10 minute thing. How have you seen the music industry change since the time, say you were working at Sony to now, how has it changed? How has it evolved? And what does it mean, I guess, uh, for the types of, jobs specifically in editing right that are available now to to people it's a really good question because um actually you know i mean the music industry has changed so much right like there used to be so much money in you know just the labels would have so much money and the music videos cost you know literally a few million dollars like millions of dollars and now i think just with the advent of like you know, people can have their own teams and you can have your shooter, you know, you can do everything. One stop shopping. You don't need the label. You don't need these big, but you don't need to do all that. Technology has evolved. Um, the music now, how record labels work, they're almost like a bank where, you know, how artists, like if they're making a video, well, they really need to mind their budget. Not like this wasn't the case before where they had to like, you know, that came out of whatever money that they were going to make, but it's just really different how the money is allotted. Like I don't really work with labels are not as powerful as they used to be. You know, I mean, labels were like, if you got signed, if you had a record deal, that was like a big thing. It's not, it's not the case anymore. Think about all these artists who release things online you know, on YouTube, like on YouTube or even, you know, 
for hip hop, people are dropping their video on world star. You know, it's like how you're releasing music is really different on SoundCloud and all that. You can do a podcast, you can have anything on, you know, iTunes and, you know, there's so many different platforms. So in a way that's, I don't know if that's helped at all, but, um, and then there's just an incredible amount of content out there, but, you know, the music industry insofar as television, you know, broadcast, it's like, there's not a lot on there anymore. You know, like you don't see, I mean, yeah, you see like some, there's like award shows for everything. Right. But like, there just aren't concerts like that anymore. You know, there's not like concert series anymore. It's just, I don't know why. I mean, that started to change a while ago, more than 10 years ago. Um, so that's kind of, you know, everybody, like a lot of the people that I worked with and the people I worked with at Sony in particular, you know, I mean, Sony closed in 2007. So, you know, everybody like Sue is at, you know, I'm working with Sue on this petty film and she mixed the, um, uh, rock and roll president, but, um, you know, she works at SIM in New York, but it's like, everybody's we're sort of figuring out, okay, well, the industry has changed so much and just even how you're working, like you don't have to be in a facility you know, for, unless you're working on, I mean, I don't know if it's different with scripted, but a couple of my friends who work in scripted, like they also work remotely too. I mean, their productions got shut down mostly this year um, and things are picking up again, but you know, it's, it's just really different because it's so few and far between, I think music and television. So it's really great that I've been doing music and film like this. I don't know where this, um, this Tom Petty doc is going to end. I think they're trying to figure out where it's going to be since like Jimmy Carter was going to have theatrical. Obviously that didn't happen. Um, but uh, yeah, with Petty, if it's good, it'll be released next year. So it might do both, you know, it'd be ill streaming and maybe theatrical. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, I think things are in there's, there seems to be more like not more, but there's, there's some music docs that are out there now. Like, you know, you can definitely get that more than you can, uh, a concert necessarily on on HBO. Like there used to be all these concerts on HBO, you know? Oh, yeah. It's, it's changed a lot. I mean, it's just different times. Exactly. And I also said just the industry itself and also just simply how we work. So, yeah. Uh, it's just a matter, I guess, of uh, adapting to new yeah, ways. You just have to keep, keep, keep it moving and you got to just, yeah, adapting. Exactly. It's like you have to evolve. I mean, as things change and also just figure out how you like to tell stories and, you know, different ways to do that. And just, you know, I just think that, you know, and also given everything that's happening in the universe right now, it's like, you know, everything is connected. Everything is, is related. So you just, it's just evolving. It's always evolving. And I want to bring up, because you did mention it when we first, before I started recording, you brought up the, this, uh, you know, the health and fitness aspect of it. I, this is something yes. I push a lot in, in, in my program. I feel like it has given me more opportunities. I am more creative. I have just more mental clarity that allows me to perform better at work. Would you say that for you as well, you have adopted healthier lifestyles to say? A million percent. <laughs> a million percent. I mean, you know, working from home, sometimes I'll have a little too much wine. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I, I seriously though, I do think it's really important every morning for me anyway, you know, everybody has a different routine, but I'm a person that needs a, I need a routine, especially like, you know, we sit down, I'm in front of my computer for so many hours, at least 10, usually much more than that every single day. And so I think it's really important. I mean, I get up really early, even if I go to bed 12, one o'clock, I'm up by six, the latest. And so like this morning, I was telling you, I, I played golf this morning before I started work. and But nine holes, not like 18, because I don't have time for that during the week. But, you know, I'm a distance runner. And it, in the winter, it's hard for me. But I usually run. I usually run outside in the winter, just bundle up and suck it up or do yoga. You know, I sort of go in and out of like intensity of what I'm, you know, doing. Because I have that kind of personality where I'm like, one minute I'm running a marathon. Then I'm doing Ashtanga. Now I'm playing golf every day. It's like, you know. But something and and healthy too. I mean, I'm vegan. I I um I actually went. I've been vegan for almost two years, and I started this cleanse when I was in the middle of rock hall because I just felt so disgusting. I was like, I wasn't working. I was like, I have to just need to not have this brain fog at four o'clock every day in the afternoon where I'm like, want to pass out. I'm so tired, you know? And so I did this juice cleanse. And then when I start for like nine days while I was working, I did it. And I felt so good. People would be like, Oh, you look so hungry. You're going to be so hungry. And I felt fantastic. And, um, and then after that, I started just incorporating, I was like, no, I'm just going to have vegetables. I'm going to have this. And, you know, when I put things back in my 
diet, I was like, well, I don't necessarily need to have like go have a I didn't really eat meat, but like a cheeseburger, you know, like um, I I just had, you know, and it really I have to say it's helped me. It's helped me so much, you know, and as I've gotten old, you know, older, you know, you really have to watch what you put in your body and your I mean, I, I wish I was better at sleep. I would be lying if I said that I was I don't really sleep too much. I should, I should get some more rest. Um, but I just love, I really do love working and I love, I've been, you know, again, I'm not just saying it. I feel extremely, extremely fortunate to be able to the past few years, especially, but just be able to work on things that I love. And so I don't just take any job. I turn down a lot of work and I, and I really do at least, I mean, lately, cause I, I don't, I can't believe how busy it is, but lately I would say at least one job a week, sometimes more. And, um, you know, I just, and I'm all, you know, and, and mostly because of my schedule, but also because like, I just don't want to do like, I'm not doing like crappy TV stuff, you know, or I'm only going to work with people that are nice that I really like, <laughs> you know, like, like my friend who I was saying to before, like Dorothy, like, I mean, I would do anything for her. So of course, if, if I'm not available and my hair's on fire and I'm like, we're delivering the show, am I going to help her with her show? Of course I am. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, like, no, I get it. I get like, it. of course I'm going to do that. I've known her. I mean, I knew her since when I first started at Sony and she was like a, uh, you know, a graphics assistant at Sony in the nineties, you know, like I've known her since then. What am I going to not now she's this big executive. Like, well, I'm going to say no to her. Like, no, I love her. I want to help support her, you know? So, so there's that. So it's nice to be able to see a lot of the same faces or they sort of come back into your universe from time to time. Sometimes I'll get lucky enough to work with somebody that I haven't worked with in 10 years. And, and that's always great. And, you know, I just want to, you know, do really creative things that I can, you know, pick and, and also just work with people that I really like, you know, cause you're spending a lot, you're spending all your time with them more than exactly. like with your family. Exactly. You, know? no. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't want to work with a bunch of jerks. No, that's right. That's very important to me. It's something that I, I, I do look, you know, for is like, just, I like working with good people. Yeah. Uh, it's a very important for me, but so yeah. it's glad to hear that. I share a lot of the same, you know, interests and, and just thoughts. So that's great. Uh, one last question. And I, this is because I want to hear, uh, I'm sure uh, a lot of listeners would like to just get some advice for you. If they want to say work in music, work in documentaries, award shows, sports, even, I mean, what advice would you give to anyone say that is starting now or maybe even wants to ch change their career path? You know, what advice would you give to them to say launch uh, a career and, and say work on these types of pro the projects that you've worked on? I would just say just you can do it. I mean, you can do it. People always say like, oh, you need to do this first or, oh, you should learn. It's like, you know what? No, just do it. You know, if there's a if there's a job, I mean, look, obviously when you know somebody in our industry, it helps a lot. If you have any kind of connection or relationship to anybody on a film or a series or whatever, Obviously, that helps you get your foot in the door, right? If you don't, you can figure out creative ways. Like, you know, I mean, there was one time that I can tell you that I, there was this job that I really, really wanted. And I found the call. I was working as a tape op at this company in Manhattan. And I was, uh, I, call, I found the number to one of the edit rooms that I knew they were editing the show. And I pretended like I was calling operations. But I knew because I wanted to talk to the editor and just be like, hi, and have like a rapport and just sort of like make a connection with somebody. I mean, I know that sounds like extreme and stalkerish, but, you know, when you're starting out, I think that any chance that you have to put yourself in front of wherever you want to be is how you start. Right. Or if you're changing careers, like, let's say I want to do scripted, like I, you know, I would go sit in with you or I would go sit in with, you know, my friends who, you know, my friend who produced the deuce or produced, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, you just sort of have to do whatever to put yourself in front of the person that's going to give you a shot, you know, and you just watch and listen and sort of, you just have to be willing to, you know, not necessarily do whatever, but kind of, you know, and just sort of like be around and learn as much as you can and ask questions when it's appropriate. Like, you know, there's also like this whole etiquette and, you know, whatever, but 
you know, I feel like anybody who knows me, anybody who I've worked with from a PA to an office assist, it doesn't matter. Like you can call me, you have a question, you want to work after hours on your own project or whatever I will. And I'm working 10, 12 hours after that, I will come and sit with you. I'll show you some stuff, you know, that'll help you do what you need to do quicker, you know? And it's like, I mean, just, just to keep it about editing in particular, you know, just because, you know, this is going to sound really whatever, but, you know, just because you can learn Avid or you learn Premiere or you learn, God forbid, Final Cut, you know, that, <laughs> does, that, doesn't, that doesn't make you an editor. Just like, you know, you can work on a typewriter and you're not, a, you're not Ernest Hemingway. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you can type. You're not a novelist. It's the same thing. It's like, you know, some people go to school for editing. Some people, it's just in your blood or in your body and your rhythm and your whatever, the storytelling, you know? And I think that also what's really helpful, like you were saying that you used to shoot. I mean, I've shot a lot too. I used to shoot a lot as well on uh, film and also video. And I think when you learn other aspects of production, it informs you're in the edit room, right? So you know, like, oh, I shouldn't overshoot. Like, we don't need five hours of footage for this four-minute thing I'm doing, you know? Or this scene, like, why do I have, I don't have enough coverage for this, or these shots don't match, or, you know, it's like, I think that when you have all these different jobs in production, I think that really helps you, you know? When you work as a, you know, if you're, when you're on set. Like, I think that you should really work in production to appreciate post. It help, it help, I think that helps a lot. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Like sometimes people think like, oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, I know. I already know. I know. It's like, if you don't know, like, it's fine. Like you're not born knowing. Not everybody, no, you know, I learn something new every, you know, all the time, you know, it's like, I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Or like some, there's some stupid update or whatever that Avid does, you know, and it's like, oh, you can't do this anymore. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, yeah, it's, you're constantly learning and it should be that way about everything, you know, you Absolutely. should just keep learning. Absolutely. Keep learning. Yeah, Maury, it, it it was great talking to you, but also just getting to great getting to know you more. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm, you I'm, as well. Finally, uh, glad we were able to do this. I really enjoyed it, and I am looking forward to that Tom Petty documentary. I'm sure it's going to be yeah. great. That's going to be awesome. Me too. I'm looking uh, forward to it too. <laughs> no, but yeah, no, it's going to be great. I, I'm really excited for. I'm really really excited. We're about to deliver a uh, rough cut next week, I think. Yeah, next week. So yeah, I should probably go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate yeah, you taking time to, to do this. And uh, enjoy the holidays. And Thank you. Stay, you too. stay warm out there and enjoy Hawaii. I sure. will I'm try jealous. And I, I will definitely do that. And and thank you again so much for for having me. And and I really appreciate it. And I'm looking for I'm looking forward to seeing uh, when you know Narcos Mexico. I'm really looking forward to seeing. It. I love. I mean, I love that show. That's uh, no, good to hear. I can't wait. Looking forward. I'm gonna. I'll be watching. Awesome. Well, have a good rest of your day, Maury. Thank you. I will talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Joaquin. Such a pleasure speaking with editor Mari Keiko Gonzalez and hearing all her great experiences from her days at Sony Music. Thanks again for listening to episode 11 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It'll help get this idea of mentorship to the post community around the world. And also share this episode with anyone you think might find it helpful. Lots of great advice there from editor Mari Keiko Gonzalez. Thank you for all your support. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Stay safe, stay positive.